This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. We are continuing our series our season preview series where we look at each position group on the team, look at uh, the depth chart, biggest strength, biggest weakness, biggest question mark, and make one bold prediction. If you missed our quarterback and running back episodes, uh, be sure to go back and check that out wherever you're, wherever you're getting this podcast, you can probably find the other one without too much trouble. And, uh, and then of course, stay tuned. We'll have offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, uh, defensive back, special teams, and all of that heading into this season. So the wide receiver tight end room, The finally, for the first time, you know, quarterback, running back, not a ton of depth chart discussion. I predicted Ronnie Bell, Cornelius Johnson, Mike St. Russell's the starters, largely because that's what Jim Harbaugh said. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I, mean, I feel like he wouldn't lie. Uh, obviously, there are some position battles. In that, I think slot. I think the slot receiver, you know, between AJ Henning, Mike Sane, Rastell, and then the fact that Ronnie Bell and Roman Wilson probably could play the slot, that will be interesting. I think the out wide guys, Cornelius Johnson. I, I think he has a decent gap already. But Dalen Baldwin, the Jackson State transfer, and Andrell Anthony, or you know, another guy who's I think he's six two, six three. So they've got a couple. Couple guys with size. I think they'll battle for for the hierarchy. Like running back, they're all going to play. And I imagine in games that Michigan wins, six plus receivers will have catches. But Steve, your thoughts on the depth at this stage heading into the season, and and kind of maybe if there are a couple position battles, you're keeping an extra close eye on in that receiver room. Oh, tight end. Eric all uh, the starter and then sounds like Luke Schoonmaker, but I think Louis Hansen and, and Matthew Hibner are two guys who have the size, have the, the, the strength um, are tall enough. We're four star recruits, a little bit of intrigue there. Your, your thoughts on the depth of the wide receiver and tight ends. At receiver. I, Michigan's really deep. Uh Especially, particularly they take Dalen Baldwin, add Dalen Baldwin to that room. You know, I mean, I've I've had AJ Henning as my breakout pick. Like if I had to say pick one guy in the team as my breakout pick, I've, I had him back in like the winter before spring ball even started. And the fact that, you know, if, if he's still battling for a starting spot, so it's still a prediction I feel okay about. It's not the fact that he has is still battling for a starting spot potentially. I think says more about say if a guy like Sainer still than it does about maybe Henning not living up to or potentially living up to that prediction. Um, but you know, you add Baldwin into that room, and now Michigan has a real nice mix of size, speed, uh, just the really everything. And again, this is this 
I feel like it's a very high ceiling group. We talk about running back maybe looking like the most productive group on paper. I think you'd say running backs a lot closer to reaching their potential, but I think wide receiver is one of those spots that could possibly rise above the running back position. Uh, a lot of it because they have different guys they can throw out there in different sets. You know, there's a lot of different, it feels like there are a lot of different ways, you know, personnel wise that they should be able to attack uh, opposing defenses. Right. So I think depth is one of the, like when we talk about strength, I feel like depth might be the strength uh, when we talk about, you know, it was specifically at receiver tight end, a little bit different. So they've recruited, it's interesting is like in another thing I know we've talked a lot about in the recruiting podcast, they've gotten like one guy that they really, really loved every cycle. They've tried to pair him with a second guy they really, really love, but never could really quite get the right second guy. And they weren't, it wasn't a position they felt like they needed to reach at. So now you have four guys in successive classes that are all, like you said, Eric, all out of the 19 cycle, the one that's number one. And then I think you have the other three guys uh, possibly battling out for that second, the three guys you mentioned with Hibner, Schoonmaker, and uh, Hanson. So, you know, I think depth obviously a little bit more of an issue at tight end, particularly when you consider how much Michigan likes to run multi-tight end sets. They like to travel four guys. You know, I think there's definitely some question marks with the depth there, but it's not a spot where the talent's lacking for sure. I mean, they, they are. These are, these are guys the staff wanted. Uh, and wanted like as top type targets, not guys that were just highly ranked. I mean, these are the guys that were highly ranked that Michigan really wanted. So, you know, but depth experience, a little bit of an issue at tight end for sure. Yeah. Biggest strength of this group. And, and, and this is probably the toughest position to really have an all encompassing strength. So I'm sticking to something that I think Michigan has that not every team in Michigan's position has. And I think that they have some legitimate speed. I mean, Roman Wilson, these are high school times, 4.37, 40-yard dash. But it was verified by his, his excellent 100-meter dash times, his track times. Uh, and he ran in that neighborhood multiple times in terms of the 4-4 four, four, four low, 4-3-7. So I don't think it's, it's fake. You know, AJ Henning, I think he was a, I think it was a 4.44, but I think his, his shuttle time was, was I think a 4.06. And I think he had really excellent track times himself. Um, and then, oh, there's a third. Oh, Mike Sane was still don't have any verified times for him, but, but you can see, you can watch him play. I mean, um, speed is not the part of his game that he's got to work on. You know, I'll get to the part of the game. He, he and others have to work on in a moment, but I think that they have some very genuine game breaking track level speed in that slot receiver position. And Cornelius Johnson, by the way, uh, ran a, ran a pretty X. Now he's added weight, of course, because he is an outside receiver, but he ran a pretty excellent opening track, you know, or 40 yard dash times out of high school as well. And so I think, and, and Eric all is probably faster than the average tight end of his size. But, but really, I think if I'm thinking, okay, what's one thing this, this team does that other teams might need to worry the most about at, at the wide receiver tight end room, I think it is that, that speed 
And I would say it's more than just running fast. It's the shiftiness as well, the quickness. I think they have a lot of guys with bursts. It's not lost on me that arguably they're two fastest, shiftiest, highest burst receivers, Giles Jackson and, and Xavier Worthy transferred to other, pro, or I guess Worthy just decommitted and got out of his um, national letter of intent, went to Texas and, and Jackson transferred to Washington. It's not lost on me that they lost some even better speed, but I, I still think if I'm thinking what this position group does, that's just a nice little feather in its cap that it has to feel pretty good about. Uh, I think there is, there's some very real speed kind of in that slot to slot hybrid position. Your thoughts? So speed to add on to that, Dalen Baldwin ran somewhere in the, the high four fours at Michigan's camp at his size. Do you buy it? Um, I think the fact that Ohio state also offered lends it, lends it some more credibility, honestly, sure. given how loaded Ohio state's wide receiver room is. Yeah. He's probably not running a four, six. Right. So that, so, I, yeah. so we'd add on to that. Um, I think I actually like the diversity of skill sets that they have as far as the receiver aspect goes. Um, you know, and Baldwin being a part of that. Talk about Johnson, long lean. Johnson, what I, Johnson, kind of what I consider what I always look at is like the classic Michigan football receiver, uh, just as far as his build, just the type of receiver he is. You go all the way back. Yeah, I got the David Terrells, the Adrian Arringtons, the um, Marquise Walkers, like those kind of guys. Uh, you know, he's got a little bit of that sort of style. Well, I guess Nico Collins kind of fits in that, in that role a little bit, I suppose, uh, you know, and then the, even within the slot spots, you know, you have the, then you have a guy like, uh, Roman Wilson, not quite, you know, not the same height, six Oh six one, but the bla- blazer, as you mentioned, you got Ronnie bell. Who's like, really like the all around the leader, the all around guy. And then you have some super explosive players like, AJ Henning and, and Mike Sainer still uh, in that slot spot. I just, like I said, this like, feels like there's a lot of different ways Michigan can attack defenses. And I, I think it's, it is, it's that diversity of skill sets that they can throw at you on any given play. You know, I think that could really cause some headaches for, uh, for their opponents this season. Yeah, I probably should have gone with that because you're right. They have, they have last year. I just felt like they were, maybe a little undersized for the in-traffic catches. Because even Cornelius Johnson, who was tall, and really the only tall guy that they, they had on scholarship at receiver, um, I don't think he had really built the upper body strength to, to fight off contact You know when he's trying to make a catch. So, um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think that's, a, that's a good one. You're right. They, they have, you know, if they need someone for this role, they can – they can find someone for that role. Biggest weakness. I mean, it's really hard <laughs> to, uh, I, I, we, we've mentioned it before, but it's just really hard to look past the drops that Michigan suffered last season. Um, I don't know if Michigan officially led the big 10 in drops just because they played fewer games than a lot of teams, but, but through six weeks, they did lead the big 10 in drops. And that was just, um, uh, I mean, it was, it was at tight end. It was at receiver. It was technically at running back as well. 
but you know, Samer still had a few, Eric all had a few, uh, seemed like it was pretty spread out and, and that was just killer. I mean, how many of those drops would have been first downs would have continued to drive that the other team scored a touchdown shortly after, um, how many of them could have led to more points? I mean, they, Michigan, Michigan got beat pretty bad in a couple games, but the, uh, several games were actually close early on. You know, I think about Michigan State. Yeah, they really could have used a touchdown. I mean, I think that would have changed everything for the whole season. And Penn State was kind of a, a back and forth. I know they didn't really have a quarterback um, that was healthy, but, you know, a couple plays there, Indiana. So to me, I think it's the drops. Um, I'll pull up the numbers in just a moment, just so, to give people an idea. But yeah, it was a little surprising just how quickly Michigan, it became a huge problem for Michigan. What do you think the biggest weakness to this group is? I mean, it's, it's hard not, I mean, it's hard not to agree, you know, and there's honestly, the more things, there's not really much to elaborate about it either. They need to catch the football more. And then you talk about receiver only that obviously leaks into tight end where Eric all, uh, you know, a guy that we had been told consistently had the second best hands on the team behind Nico Collins uh, did not live up to those expectations last year at all. So, um, so I think that's, it's a wide receiver and a tight end thing for sure. And yeah, I, I'd argue it cost Michigan yeah, at least one game last year in the macro sense. So, I mean, besides that, yeah, like you said, there's like the physical traits, like everything else. I feel like the route running, you know, cause Michigan, like the receivers did a pretty good job of getting open last year for the most part, you know, I don't think that was necessarily a big issue. I think it really just came down to securing the football, uh, you know, and that, that it's a bad weakness to have, right. You know, and, and it's something that they like the coaches have to be hoping and have to be working on is just to not repeat last year's performance, uh, Michigan, a school like Michigan that has all the talent at receiver that they always do should never lead the big 10 in a category like drops. Just my opinion. That's a inexcusable stat to, uh, to carry, carry around with you uh, at that position. By the way, here are the numbers of the, I think it's 67 receivers last season who had at least 15 targets in the big 10. Mike, this is from Pro Football Focus. Mike Sainer still ranked second in highest drop rate. He dropped um, three, three passes. Eric All ranked third. He dropped four. And then Cornelius Johnson, actually, uh, who has a reputation for being sure-handed, similar to Eric All, um, had two drops as well. And, and, and others did have drops. I think, I think it's totally unfair to act like a receiver can't have any. Of course, that's going to happen, but Not a at couple all. of them, a couple of them, as you, as you know, anyone who watched the games would say, it's like, that was, that was a mental drop. You know, there's a physical drop if you're just not in position to catch it. And I think pro football focus actually filters those out. You know, if, if you if you get a hand on it, that's not necessarily a drop or necessarily a bad drop, but then there are some where it's like, you were not either, either not focused or you're in your, or you're too focused and you're in your head about it. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's not easy. We're not sitting here acting like we'd be, you know, all big 10 receivers, but that makes a big difference. I mean, just those three guys just listed uh, nine drops. 
I mean, nine completed passes or could, could have been completed passes can make a really big difference. So yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty, pretty obvious one. And one that, that, you know, Josh Gaddis, he's gonna, he's gonna determine, (laughs) he gets paid a lot of money to figure this out. So we'll see, we'll see what he can, what he can do. Cause yeah, it, it seemed all accounts were that it wasn't as big of a deal in practice, but, um, Regardless, biggest question mark about this position group, I am going to go with maybe a little bit more specific one than I usually do. Uh, I like the big picture questions, but but I'm really curious about, well, well, about Dalen Baldwin, but what he does for the receiver rotation. Because Ronnie Bell, I think it's it's pretty well documented at this point. He's probably a more effective receiver coming out of the slot. I test, I feel like Roman Wilson could be the same boat. He's got a little bit more speed, so he can maybe outrun some of those cornerbacks. But I think, you know, as a six one kind of slit or six foot slider build, um, yeah, I think he's another guy that that probably is best suited in the slot. And that's where Baldwin is fascinating. If if he emerges as a starter or starter caliber, or Andrew Anthony, I guess, could also count for this. You know, and they have a they have a lineup of Cornelius Johnson, Dalen Baldwin, Ronnie Bell, and a second string of maybe, um, you know, Andrell Anthony, I guess Roman Wilson or AJ Henning. You know, they can kind of rotate who's playing at slot. They can kind of choose, pick and choose based on matchups and situations. I think that really opens things up. So I guess my question would be how, what kind of impact can Dalen Baldwin make? And what does that mean for someone like Ronnie Bell or Roman Wilson? Any any big questions you have about this wide receiver tight end room? Actually, we haven't talked about tight end too much. That might be another area with some questions. So yeah, that was my my question was who's going to be that second? Who's going to emerge as that second tight end in the rotation? I got to be honest. I looked at the roster. You know, they did release their roster earlier this week. The most eye popping number to me was was Louie Hansen's measurement yeah, six, six, six. six two two fifty two. <laughs> He's almost the same size as Joel Honigford. Oh, <laughs> offensive lineman converted to tight end who uh, did lose like forty pounds, but, but still, <laughs> but like six six two fifty seven. Um, those are some measurements, man. Six six two fifty two. That's a guy if he comes into camp. Looking good. I think we had maybe noted him as like sort of a dark horse kind of guy. It's like there's not quietly an opportunity there at tight end for somebody to emerge as that second guy. You know, maybe he could be the one. Man, six six two fifty two is that's there's some potential there. So that's a that's a college junior tight end. Absolutely, absolutely, right. So for for his height, he was listed by twenty four seven as six foot four and a half. Right. Yeah, so that, came in a little bigger than advertised. Inaccurate. So, you know, between he and like, so Schoonmaker, probably the favorite just based off of experience alone. Uh, tight end, a little bit more of a, you know, uh, detail oriented position, right? You know, it's not just about being like a safety valve in the passing game. There's a lot more to it. So he may have the the edge there, but Hibner also, we had, we had him in the top 150, near the top 100. Always called him Mister One Thousand because he jumped up over a thousand spots 
in the 24 seven rankings throughout his recruitment, you know, another guy to complete, absolutely not sleep on. Uh, so it will be fascinating. Uh, and even kind of mix Honigford in there. We assume he'll be a, I'd say we assume he's going to be a sixth, a sixth offensive lineman when they bring him in the package. But again, he's him and Hanson are almost the same size. Uh, like, you know, what is, where's Honigford in this mix? You know, is that what his role is going to be or is he capable of, maybe playing some more a classic tight end type deal. So, you know, I think who's that second guy behind Eric all, I think will be, well, really could say who's going to be the second and the third, you know, it's because again, Michigan likes to travel four. they like to play more than two guys uh, game in and game out. How do they kind of manage that? Who emerges, you know, I think will be really fun to watch uh, fall camp early on in the season, you know, who kind of comes out of that group because they are, these are guys that Michigan wanted really badly on the recruiting trail. You know, so who ends up kind of making it out of that group? Who gets left behind a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I'm actually curious about the whole because Eric All. I mean, coaches like him, but but he hasn't proven that he's worth kind of carving your game plan around just yet. And so, you know, previous three years they've actually returned a tight end who has produced quite a bit. Whether it was Nick Eubanks, uh, Sean McCune, Zach Gentry. I mean, really, I think 2017 was last year that they didn't have a a proven, you know, game-to-game reliable offensive weapon at tight end. Uh, by the way, I did look up the 2016 roster. Hanson is bigger than Sean McCune was. McCune was 6'5", 240. Eubanks was, um, he was 6'6", six six, or 6'5", six 236. You know, they, they were, those were their freshman numbers. And Jake Butt was actually 6'6", 250. So, I mean, he's already kind of in that upperclassman. Now I'm sure he'll, he'll continue to try to get stronger or leaner or things like that during his career. But a lot of the common tight end trope is that you come in at 230 pounds and add 25 pounds during your college career. He's already skipped that, that's, that step. So, um, yeah, he might be able to play sooner than later. Anyways, prediction for the room. Um, this isn't super bold. I, I, I think Cornelius Johnson is a first, second. I'm going to throw third in there. I'm not that bold. He's a first, second, or third team all Big Ten receiver this year. He's my, on the offensive side of the ball, he's probably my biggest breakout pick. Um, just think he, this is the, he's, He's trending toward it. He had a he had an underrated season last year, I think. Um, he had a couple games where he was very quiet, but I think he still has the talent. He's already had a couple very explosive games. And I, I think I think if he had played a full season last year, I think he would have been more in the neighborhood of 500, 600 receiving yards, in which case this wouldn't actually be that bold. But I I think I think this is this is going to be a big year for Cornelius Johnson. I, I don't know if he'll actually lead the team in receiving yards because Ronnie Bell seems to always <laughs> do that no matter what people predict. But, but I do think Cornelius Johnson's going to end up being a very effective to the tune of first, second, or third team, meaning top 10 receiver in the Big Ten this year. And I think, I think this is a year where he becomes a household name for Michigan fans. You got a prediction? Yeah, I think I'm going to say I think Dalen Baldwin is becomes more of a Mike Dana, Jake Rudock than a Wayne Lyons as far as 
the transfer situation. It always feels like that can go one of two ways, you know, and, and again, there are guys there on the roster that could win that spot. I would, I almost, my, my almost bold prediction was that I thought Andrew Anthony would be, could be a year one guy or would be a year one guy. I was going to say, we run out of receivers. That, that, that's, that's, so that was actually, it's funny. I was actually, it's, it's what talked me out of it was I, was, I started to think is like, and I think what's so intriguing about the receiver position is you can talk yourself into a lot of guys like doing things this year. It's, it's, that's what we talk about the depth and the diversity of like skill set. It's, it's, there's no shortage of talent at that position at all. You know, and that's all you can. I mean, there's scenarios you could talk yourself into Roman Wilson breaking out, AJ Henning breaking out. Uh, Baldwin could be that guy to break out. Andrew Anthony could be a year one guy. We've heard really good things about him early on. You know, it's like, it's, it's interesting in that regard as you can. And then again, like you said, then there's Ronnie Bell, who always just quietly leads the team in receiving. And then you're picking Cornelius Johnson to be an all Big Ten candidate. So it's a fascinating position in that regard. Uh, that you can kind of talk yourself into almost anybody uh, as being like a productive guy. So I'm going to say, I think Baldwin's much more of a, uh, I don't know what that means for him statistically. I just think he's a a, a big time net positive for them um, on the outside. And I think he makes, uh, he's well, he becomes well worth the pursuit that Michigan made. So, which would be, I think to Michigan's benefit could open up things for other guys in the passing game, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think if he if he is good, I think Michigan's offense um, just has, has another wrinkle. I think they have a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more intrigue, and obviously a good six foot three, six foot four receiver, uh, which which rarely hurts a team. Anyways, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. That's gonna do it for this episode. We will have offensive line uh, coming up in a couple days, you know, and then of course we'll get to the defensive side of the ball shortly after that this has been the wolverine 24 7 podcast hope you unfought hope you learned something see you next time okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.